And uh, Josh, you're on baby alert. Yeah, basically, you know, if it happens, then I'm probably not going to join you for a little while, but we'll see. You, uh, you got the bag ready, Josh? The bag? When you hospital go to the hospital, bag. you have to bring your stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. I was thinking of a different your, kind of bag. <laughs> you have your Raptors jerseys, your championship gear all up there. Oh, yeah, I'm going to wear my championship uh, T-shirt that I bought for way too much money on championship night at 3 in the morning. No regrets. Right, well, I'll let you guys No, no regrets. Yeah, they're like $5 now. I, I bought like three or four of them. Damn, even the ones with like all the caricatures? No, no, those ones are hard to get, yeah. Oh, good. I was just <laughs> using them as rags. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Hoops Corner. I'm your host, Peter Tran, and on the line, the Iceman himself, Josh Cohen. How you doing? The sun is shining, the playoffs are on, life couldn't be better. Aw, that's nice. <laughs> this guy. Couldn't believe it. The banger in the paint, our residential medical expert, Rajan Walia. How you feeling? Man, I'm losing sleep, but you know what? I'm happy that uh, the playoffs are keeping me up at night. Dude, what, like, how many hours of sleep are you getting a night these days? Especially with these LA games. You, you know what? It, it looks like there might be a situation where Portland, the Lake, and Lakers and Clippers lose. Uh, and then that looks like uh, those 10 o'clock games disappear. But I'm averaging like five and a half, six hours on a good day. Dang. Yikes. What a trooper. Josh, that's going to be you soon. Except you'll be getting like two or three hours a night, you know? <laughs> my medical opinion is Raj needs to get more sleep ASAP. It's yeah. a very good opinion, Josh. But you're not our thank you. You're not a residential expert, so nobody wants to listen to your medical opinions. Mm-hmm. You're not a doctor. In this case, I'm right. <laughs> I just play one on TV <laughs> or on podcast. I guess there you go. Just on podcast, strictly. All right, let's get into it. Mavs Clippers. Very talk. We hinted towards it a bit. Uh, this is one of those series where. Oddly enough, the, the away team has won every game, right? Our three games in LA, the Mavs won. Obviously, we saw the two games in Dallas. Uh, they buckled under pressure because Ty Lue was not worried. And the Clippers won. I don't even know where to start, Raj. In game five, the you know the Mavericks start Boban instead of... Who do they who do they end up sitting instead of, instead of Bo, for Boban? Maxi. Uh, Maxi Kleba yeah. came off the bench. Our... Kawhi stopper Maxi did not do such a good job. I don't know, man. I don't even know how to ask this. You know, why is the road team won so much? Do the Clippers have a chance? I know you want them to lose, but you know what's what's realistic here. I don't know. I'm, I'm caught in a, a rock in a hard place because honestly, I, I predicted the Clippers to make the finals, but I'm losing sleep out here. And uh, you know what? They're not playing good basketball, so maybe the Mavs deserve to win. Um, the interesting thing about Game five is I think Rick Car- Carlisle really baited Tyron Lue to play Zubach more. They kind of forced his hand and uh, Lue kind of fell for it because he was hesitant to really go complete small ball and they played Zubach more minutes. And you know what? Luka was fire and uh, obviously the rest of the Mavericks didn't show up. So if, if I'm the Clippers, you just hope that Luka doesn't shoot lights out and you have a pretty good chance of winning game six. Yeah, it seems like this series is ultimately coming down to A, is Luka hot, and B, which team is going to make the adjustments for the next game, because that was like a major adjustment that uh, Carlisle made in the last game of starting Boban and playing him for about 20 minutes and then going zone against the Clippers in the first and third quarters too. 
that's something that was pretty much overlooked. And then even, you know, Boban was actually like rotating the corners too and contesting shots, <laughs> which is something you never see either. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do in game six to, uh, you know, combat that. You know, it was great. You know that, uh, I think it was in the third quarter when Boban didn't even have to jump to grab a rebound and like got hacked like four times across the face. <laughs> and then they ended up calling a yeah, jump yeah. ball of all things. <laughs> I think Batum was so amped. Yeah, like, what are you going to do against that height, right? 7'6", his wingspan's got to be around 7'6", 7'7", and what are you going to throw out there? Nicholas Batum with, like, a 7'2 wingspan to to battle against a guy, man? Ugh. The, the, the crazy thing about Boban playing is it really eliminated the Clippers getting to the rim where they were a lot more hesitant and they kind of forced them to be a jump-shooting team and they were the best three-point shooting team in the regular season, and... Um, surprisingly, um, the only player that really shot the ball incredibly well, uh, yesterday was Reggie Jackson. And without him, uh, the Clippers probably would have lost by double digits. Uh, he really kind of kept them in it in the third and fourth quarter. But you know what? I, I wonder if Tyron Liu is going to fully commit to small ball because obviously Boban is a threat for rebounds, but you can attack him on defense and, Ultimately, if you get a switch on him or a switch on Luca, you should just attack one of those players uh, and probably get the look you want and put those players in foul trouble. Yeah, they need to find a way to get Boban in more actions because when he was in the actions, like Paul George blew by him a couple times in the third quarter especially and a few times in the fourth as well. So they have to find a way to really get him in pick-and-roll situations and get KP in pick-and-roll situations because he was you know, in foul trouble pretty much the entire game. And he was pretty useless when he was in there besides that corner three that he hit, which ultimately was a game-breaker. Yeah. So uh, I think the Clippers are going to bounce back. I mean, this might be a series where, like, the away team wins every single game, and that would be absolutely perfect because, you know, you still get uh, seven games of, you know, a great series, and you get to see the Clippers lose in the most, uh, you know, awful way possible for them. Yeah, who's thumping a lot? <laughs> yeah. Who's hitting their desk? Or their table. That's me. He's angry. Like every second as, yeah. you're, as you're talking. <laughs> getting, getting explosive out here with these clipper takes, man. That was Boban walking, actually. <laughs> In oh. LA, you hear the vibrations. Yeah. Yo, Raj, have you ever seen have you ever seen a guy paid so well just completely other than Anthony Davis, of course, completely just no show a playoff game like KP has? Or not a game, but like this whole series basically? Yeah, like I, I watched Pascal Siakam in last year's playoffs, and uh, um, you know what? I, 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 you, you see it happen. Of course, with KP, the disappointment was there was always an excuse for him maybe not to be performing his best. He's coming off a knee injury. He plays in the Knicks. Um, it's his first playoff series. But now we just kind of see he doesn't care. Like his body language is horrible. Like it's like watching LeBron when his team makes a horrible play. But during the whole game. Um, and ultimately, if the Mavericks want to win the series, they're going to need a bit more consistent scoring from KP. Because I, I don't... I, I like Luka. I, I love watching him. I think he's must-watch TV. But ultimately, you can't trust him to score 40 points a game on shooting close to 50% every game. And um, if that's the only way the Mavericks can beat the Clippers, then I, I think the Clippers actually have a... A decent shot at winning the series. I think in a way, though, Carlisle is sort of castrated um, Porzingis' <laughs> offensive game. 
I mean, if you look at it, Clippers are switching every single screen, and Carlisle doesn't want to get into a scenario where KP is catching the ball 15 away, 15 feet away from the rim, and then taking his little face-up shot because he doesn't really know how to post up and take advantage of smaller guys. So even though they're getting switches where guards sometimes are on him, or worst-case scenario like Marcus Morris, um, he doesn't want KP catching that situation in the post and then facing up, putting his elbows in the guys, and then shooting that you know 15-foot shot with the guy right in his face because he doesn't trust his dribble and doesn't trust any type of move in the post. So they have to find ways to get him on the move and get him more shots because he was 3-for-6 from the field last game. And you would think he's their second best option, but Tim Hardaway has turned into that because he's getting more opportunities out there. Yeah, I mean, Tim Hardaway's the only guy, other than Luka in Game 5, who had double-digit scoring. KP was uh, just a total ghost, man. It's it's weird. Like, for for a guy who's supposed to be, who was touted as, like, you know, a good teammate when he got to New York, he was he was loving mellow. He was all about, like, the, the glitz and the glamour. Uh you know, he fell off of that real quick once he got to Dallas. Once he saw that Luca was getting all the shine, he sort of just like took a back seat. Didn't like that he wasn't getting all the praise that he was expecting to get. And yeah, man, I, I don't know. Dude just looks so disinterested out there. I mean, if if KP accepted his role, I mean, he's he's being paid like the second best player on the team. But right now, he's basically turned into Maxi Kleba, right? Like he's just asked <laughs> to be a spot up guy. Worse than Maxi. Worse. He's being carded- yeah, but I mean, like, he's being guarded by Kawhi most situations, and then they switch, and then he just runs to the corner. So if they're going to be using him like that, like, he needs to use his size and try to get offensive rebounds and be more of a factor in the paint, um, you know, where when he catches the ball, he needs to be catching, like, 10 feet out, not 15, and doing his little face-up shit. <laughs> I mean, when Boban catches the ball, he catches the ball, like, five feet away from the rim. He turns, and he's in the basket. That's what KP needs <laughs> to do. It's true. Yeah, but... but- but KP doesn't like physical contact. It, I, I don't know the guy. I'm not. I don't honestly follow his career that <laughs> much. But you I don't go to the club with him. I thought you had a no, phone no. Over. But you know what? The speed yeah. dial in Latvian. You know what? I don't get free Latvian calls. But <laughs> um, honestly, like KP just looks like a guy who ended up being very good at basketball, but he doesn't probably love the sport as much as some of those top players. And Ooh. that that's a lot to say. But like, Ooh. for someone that big. To not really want to be involved, to kind of show the body language he's had, to get destroyed on defense. Like, he's late on rotations, he's get blown by, sometimes he's, like, he contests, but it's not really that good. He, just lame fouls, like, it, it, it's it's honestly just disappointing and disheartening to see. And ultimately, again, the Mavs are, honestly, I don't even know if they're the favorites in uh, on Friday's game, but ultimately... They need someone to score at least 15 points. And Tim Hardaway's been that guy, but they need another player to get 15. Because like, I don't trust Luka to get another 40 on that great shooting. Just because I think the Clippers are going to really try to stop it. Yeah, you just called KP Andrew Bynum. That's harsh. That's harsh, man. Josh. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Oh, man. Josh, uh, can you answer this question for me? I, I was trying to figure this out when I was watching this game. Is Kawhi Leonard just not as mobile as he used to be? Or, you know, like, what the, what the hell is the deal here? Because he just looks, like, one, he doesn't look like the offensive threat that we saw in Toronto from a couple of years ago. He doesn't. He really doesn't. You know he doesn't. And secondly, his defense looks like a, like, like a half-step slow. I'm going to say it. Maybe he should have stayed in Toronto another year or two. 
I think you're ignoring the first four games. Of the season, <laughs> yes, so Kawhi couldn't miss a shot. Right? Yes, I'm basing it solely on on game five. Nothing else. <laughs> and they were sort of letting him go one on one against Kleba and Tim Hardaway Jr. and switches too. Whereas last game, it was more so like trying to figure out what the hell Dallas was doing in the zone, and it sort of messed with you know what he was trying to do. Like every time he went to the basket, Boban was standing there. Yeah. And I think that really messed up his flow and, you know, made the Clippers go later in the shot clock. So it's a very smart adjustment by Carlisle, to be honest. But, you know, I think that the Clippers will adjust and they'll figure out different ways to be able to attack that and get into the paint in situations where, like, they'll try to make sure Bobon is out of the picture so they can actually get to the rim. Did you see uh, Rondo yelling at him after he took that corner three at the end of the game? What the hell are you doing? See, <sighs> and Kawhi just... In, in that scenario, though, like... Kawhi was falling out of bounds, and I sort of get why he put the ball up to the basket, because if he tried to throw the ball back out to, like, near half court, yeah. um, that might have been a turnover, and then Dallas goes the other way in the game. Which is over, what so. actually happened in the third quarter. He he threw it away from the corner, and then Tim Hardaway threw up that, uh, that like, alley-oop layup to Luka, which was, which is a beautiful play. Beautiful play on its own. Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, as Kawhi is throwing the ball, at, uh, I mean, catching the ball, like maybe he throws the ball off his defender yeah. and Finney Smith, and then you get the ball back, and then you throw it back in and try yeah, to run another play. Maybe. But, you know, it's hard to think about that kind of thing in that moment where, you know, you only have a few seconds to yeah. put up a shot or pass it back out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, prediction time. Raj, who do you have for game six? I think the Clippers are going to win. Bring this back to LA. Joshua? I agree. I think this is going to go seven games, and the Clippers are going to lose in the most excruciating way possible. I think that Paul George is going to turn the ball over in, uh, you know, the, um, maybe like a last second scenario. And then Kawhi is going to look at that and be like, all right, I'm going back to Toronto. <laughs> no, 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 sir. The one time Tor- Kawhi would have joined Toronto willingly would have been this year when they were in Tampa. Kawhi's not about that cold weather, let's be real, man. Warm climate. Yeah. I think the better question is, if the Clippers do lose, does Kawhi stay? I feel like he has to. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, and, and he's going to stay. He moved there more because the weather and family. That doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah, but you're with an organization that can't even get past the first round despite trading everything they had for this roster. Which, and it looks like a championship roster, too. Just, they're the Clippers. So <laughs> They need Rondo from the beginning Clippers of the year. Clippers is real. That's what it is. And, a pa- and also, Rondo went 0 for 6. He has, he's got no right to tell Kawhi anything at the end of the game. There. I think they just need to let Reggie Jackson go off every game now. 6 yeah. for 12 from 3. Also, I just want to point out, like Dorian Finney-Smith had the best 2 for 9 game of anybody in the history of the NBA. He was a freaking uh, animal on defense. Yeah, he's a, Big offensive rebounds. He's basically Tony Allen, but with a slightly better jump shot. Like, slightly, not no, a no, lot. No. Just a bit, just a bit. He's, He's like good. Harrison Barnes, 2015 Warriors. Hmm. Mm. Except Finney Smith could be relied upon. <laughs> okay. To not be a no, choker. No, we're not doing this. We're moving on to clearly the most exciting series in the East in the second round. Raj's Milwaukee Bucks against your Brooklyn Nets, Josh. Uh, I mean, this is just going to be a bloodbath, right, Raj? Like... I mean, the Bucks are have just proven to be, you know, one of the best teams in the league. They took care of your Miami Heat very, very easily. <laughs> Drew Holiday was probably the biggest 
the baddest mf -er in that series, other than, you know, Giannis, whatever. But still, you get my point, right? Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to begin with this series, because this has to go seven. There's no other way around it. No, no, this could go uh, six. It's possible, but very unlikely. Um, but I, I think Brooklyn is just firing on all sin cylinders, and Milwaukee actually hasn't played the Nets with all the big three healthy. Um, and ultimately, uh, I think the, the the key thing in this series is really going to be who shoots the ball better from three. Um, and, and Milwaukee's obviously, over the last couple of years, relied a lot on the three. I think um, Brooklyn, though, has kind of the better three-point specialists. Yeah, I think this series is going to come down to coaching, to be honest. And, you know, Milwaukee finding lineups that actually work. Because, you know, although Bryn Forbes outscored Jimmy Butler in the first round, <laughs> I don't think you can rely on him to play bigger minutes against a Brooklyn team that's going to just isolate against him every single time down that he's in the game. So they're going to have to figure out if they're going to play Pat Connaughton a lot more minutes because he didn't play a lot in the first series despite DiVincenzo being out the last game. Um, or if they're just going to go with Tucker at uh, the three potentially in their closing lineups. Uh, but if Brooklyn plays small, maybe you go with Tucker at the five and then you take Brook Lopez out, but then who plays the minutes in the backcourt? So Milwaukee's got some things to figure out, I think. Is White And I think Brooklyn should be the favorite. Is White Dante out for a long time? Like it's it's considerable. Yeah, time. he's out for the rest of the playoffs. Oof. Yeah. That's rough. How uh, I mean, who do we expect Drew Holiday to be covering in this series? He's gonna be on Harden for the most part, right? No, nah, I think he guards Kyrie Irving to be honest. I think you yeah. have to keep him on Kyrie. And then you hope that Kyrie goes one-on-one -on -one against him because that's probably your lowest percentage play out of, you know, guarding those three guys. And then uh, you hope that Giannis scores 40 points a game and Brook Lopez keeps playing down low and destroying the Brooklyn Nets in the paint like he did in the first series. Because if, you know, Brook is out of the three-point line all the time, I don't think they're going to be successful. Raj, do you see anyone on the Nets being able to slow down Giannis? I, like, looking at that roster right now, it's got to be Kevin Durant, who is obviously too slim, or Blake Griffin, who's, I'm going to say, he's not nearly the athlete he used to be, right? And Jeff Green is out. Yeah, yeah I, th I think it's going to be a combination. It's They're not going to put one or two guys. Like, it's going to be a combination of, uh, they'll probably use DeAndre sparingly because he just got torched by uh, Giannis. But I, I think mostly it's going to be a combination of Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, uh, and then they'll probably add in Claxton as well, just to get so another body who can pick up fouls, get some rebounds. <laughs> yeah, and ultimately, like, there, there are so many storylines in the series. Like, one team is just assembled this year. There's another team that's kind of been going through the motions for the last three. And, like, I agree with Josh. Coaching is going to play a huge part. Uh, experience, obviously, the, the Nets have a lot of experience individually. But I, I think ultimately it will come down to bench play. Like, Milwaukee has kind of a big three. Brooklyn obviously has their big three. It's just who do you trust more? Do you trust Joe Harris or do you trust like people like Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis? Do you trust Jeff Green, who's actually not playing in the series, or uh, do you trust someone like Forbes? So it, it really depends on those bench scoring. And I, I like Brooklyn's bench. I think overall they're just morale's very good. And how are you going to stop KD, Harden, and Kyrie? Like it's it's impossible. Yeah, I think the plan with Milwaukee is to play those three guys how they have the last couple of years where they're going to play on Harden's left side and try to force him in the middle to shoot floaters over Brook Lopez. 
And then with KD, they can't do anything, so just let him score his points, but in one-on-one scenarios. Maybe put Giannis on him at the end of games, save Giannis's energy until the end, until, you know, you have to put him on him, unlike what they did with Butler. And then, uh, you know, with Kyrie, let Holiday guard him and hope for the best. But, um, you know, with Giannis, I think I, I actually disagree. I think that they're going to start Jordan because the Nets have been playing him the exact same way every game so far. They just say, you know, Giannis can go one-on-one, shoot as many threes as he wants. We're going to play 15 feet off him. And then when he goes against Jordan, we're not giving any help. We're not giving you the three-point shot. So good luck scoring 40 or 50. We think you can beat us if we can limit uh, Middleton and Holiday. I mean, it worked during the season, except they didn't have all three guys <laughs> playing at once, right, in Brooklyn? So, yep. yeah, I guess it's a little different. I wouldn't. I feel like I would want Giannis on Kevin Durant to start the series. And like, it might be a little bit out there, but I, I don't know why you wouldn't put your best defender on someone like KD, where, where Giannis is long enough, he's athletic enough to stay with him, he's strong enough, right? Like, KD's an insanely high release point would kind of be not fully muted, but at least be like somewhat dampened with Giannis's length, right? I think this is why you got PJ Tucker, right? This is the series that you want PJ Tucker to play a lot of minutes and, you know, guard Kevin Durant a lot of the time so you can save Giannis for those situations in the fourth quarter where you need to put him on KD. But, and the other thing is foul trouble too. Yeah. Like, you don't want Giannis picking up two fouls in the first That's quarter. That's true. That's true. Or else I'll end up being like Yusuf Nurkic and never get to play a full game. Exactly. <laughs> Letting down his team that way. But, uh, yeah, I think Giannis is going to ultimately be the help guy in the first few quarters. And I think PJ Tucker is going to play like 25 plus minutes. He's going to be the guy instead of Connick. I think that plays in that lineup. PJ Tucker's like 36 yeah. years old. He is, but, you know, he was very good on defense in the first uh, series, even though he played limited minutes. But, again, this is like, this makes the most sense with Dante out. I don't think that Connaughton's going to be able to step up, but Watchy shoots like six for eight in the first game, and I eat my words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think just another prediction for this series. I think Bobby Portis is actually going to play quite a bit as well. Um, I, I, it always is going to be interesting on how much they play Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, but I agree with Josh, PJ Tucker, um, will play. He's also a big body against James Harden. If they decide to, to really have a lineup that can switch, uh, and I could actually foresee a situation where it's Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Bobby Portis, and PJ Tucker, just to help with the spacing and to be able to switch one through five if the Nets ever decide to go small. That'll be interesting. Uh, are we expecting to see a lot of my boy Bruce Brown in this series? Sounds like a no. I think it depends what kind of you know lineup Milwaukee puts out there, especially in the fourth quarter. So if they keep playing uh, Brooke and uh, you know DeAndre's out there, I don't think you can have two non-shooters out there with a big three. Because Joe Harris needs to play, right? So it depends what they do with um, their strategy against Giannis, especially. This is a Bruce Brown on Giannis. He's a six foot four center, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might honestly. <laughs> I mean, Toronto put Kawhi against him, right? He put a smaller guy against him that can attack his dribble. I mean, Bruce yeah. Brown's sort of the same type of defender where he's going <laughs> to attack your dribble and try to play quicker against you but i don't think it's going to work against Giannis. just back his ass in the basket yeah bruce brown is uh he's basically the same defender as Kawhi. i didn't mean it like that <laughs> hot take <laughs> oh man so that's how you feel about Kawhi these days huh i thought i was talking shit no, i'm about still a Kawhi guy man i'm still a Kawhi guy man i thought i was talking Kawhi we'll shit. still take him back in toronto <laughs> of course you would you, toronto would take anyone at this point 
Because welcome back, Danny Granger. Let, let's hear a prediction, though. I, I want to hear where we think the series is going and how many games. Honestly, I, I chose Brooklyn in my bracket before um, the playoffs started. I chose them in seven games, I think. But I really want to choose Milwaukee. I really do. And they have home court, too, don't they? No, Brooklyn does. No, Brooklyn does. Do they? I guess Brooklyn, Brooklyn doesn't even have a home court advantage anyway. Give me Milwaukee in seven games. Uh, Bucks in six, oh, wow. just like Brendan Jennings said it would be. Um, I know everybody's counting us out. But for us, you know, there's really no pressure on us right now. Um, so we just going to go out there and play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. And how many games? Six. We're going to gonna win in six. I really hope that <laughs> happens. We're like bucks in five. They just destroy Brooklyn. Oh, man. Raj, what do you think? Oh, I'm going to say uh, Brooklyn in six. Wow. You really believe in the big three, eh? Yeah, they just have a lot of experience, and uh, I like Drew Holiday a lot, and I think Giannis and Bud have learned, but they're not there yet, I think. I think that beating Miami and not cowering away from them in the regular season did a lot for Mil- for Milwaukee's morale. <laughs> to not be bullied by the likes of people like Rajon Walia, telling them to tank their way away from their foes from last year, you know? Taking it head on. I like the attitude. <laughs> They belong in the 90s WWF Attitude Era, these Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> Give me that shit. You know, the thing I'm most excited <laughs> to see is Brooklyn is actually going to have to play in crunch time, you would think, for the first time this season with these three guys. And you're going to see like who is going to get the ball in the situation and who is going to be picked on, especially with Milwaukee. And you know, if they end up playing like P.J. Tucker at the three, and playing, you know, Brooke Lopez at the five, are they just going to continuously attack Brooke, or are they going to play P.J. Tucker at the five and then switch everything? It's going to be a very interesting series. I think this is going to be like the series like, uh, you know, Dallas and the Clippers in the first round where you see like a ton of different um, adjustments every game. I have a prediction that Kyrie Irving will try to cover Giannis again like he did in Boston a couple of years ago. <laughs> well, then it's definitely going to be Bucks and <laughs> exactly. Six. Exactly. <laughs> It's going to be a switch, and instead of going over to stay on Drew, he's going to switch just to, just to go on Giannis because he's lazy on D, and then he's just going to get bodied. Kyrie switched so much in that game where Tatum went off for 50, and like that's where Tatum got all of his points. He scored at least like 25 on Kyrie alone. So if the Nets keep switching, man, Kyrie's in a lot of trouble. That dude's going to get targeted like Trey Young in the next series. You know what I'm saying? All right, I'm going to make a prediction. This is the series that is going to prove that Giannis is the best player in the NBA right now. He is going wow. to start his legend in this series by beating Brooklyn in wow. six or seven games. And everyone's going to be like, okay, he's finally arrived. This is the guy to take the torch from LeBron. That this would, is the moment. That would be nice. Just as LeBron is exiting the playoffs. Yeah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> like how I hype myself up on that. I, I just don't see it, but you know what? I'm all for it. This might be one of the best series uh, this year. It might be better than the finals. It probably will be, to be honest. Uh, moving on, guys. Unfortunately, we're going to have to have a Hawks Sixers series without the biggest troll of them all, Joel Embiid, who's out with uh, a minute meniscus tear and what they're calling a day-to-day injury. I mean, I mean, firstly, Raj, have you ever seen a menis- any type of meniscus tear that is quote-unquote day-to-day? Because that seems like a lot of shit. The thing is, if it was a one-game situation, 
you could possibly play Joel Embiid and risk it. And there's always going to be a risk. Like, you can play through the pain. You can take some injections locally, some painkillers. The issue is, they say it's a small tear, but it compromises your knee's stability and it puts you at risk for other types of knee injuries, whether it's a MCL injury, an ACL injury. And then you're looking at losing Embiid for a year for an injury that probably would require him to have a surgery in around six to eight weeks of recovery, and then he should be back to 100%. So if, if I'm the Sixers, I just keep warming him up, making Atlanta feel, making the fans happy. And if you really need him in game three or four, let's say you're down 2-1, down 3-1, you need him playing, you see how he's able to go, and at that point you make a decision. But I don't think right now the series is 0-0. They still have enough weapons to beat Atlanta. Um, and ultimately, uh, I, I wouldn't be inclined to play him right now. Let's see how the series goes in the first two games. Yeah, this feels like the Kevin Durant situation all over again. Like, do you choose to play him when you know that if he does come back, you could just make it 10 times worse, and then he may not play in part of next season or may not be the same again, potentially? Even though KD came back and he's like 100% of himself somehow, despite an Achilles injury. But, um... I don't think they have enough to beat Atlanta if he is out. I think Atlanta's probably a better team overall. Wow. And, yeah, wow. Atlanta's rolling right wow. now, too, honestly. They They've played really good basketball. And who's going to guard Trey Young? I don't know. Unless they just maybe switch everything. But they can't really do that because Philadelphia play, always plays the center, it seems like. So, I don't know. I, I hope Joel Embiid comes back, and I hope that he is healthy. But it's not looking good right now. I can't wait to see Ben Simmons mm, I, on Trey Young, man. That's going to be hilarious. Ben Simmons is like 6'11", one of the most mobile players in the league. Like We've already talked about how good he is defensively, right? And, you know, having to pick up a guy from like, what? Covering Trey Young from like 30, 35 feet away from the net all the way there? It's going to be fun to watch, at least that guard battle. Oh, for sure. I think... I think- Honestly, I think Ben Simmons might be the guy that ends up guarding uh, Trey Young. And I think they're going to try to exploit Seth Curry, really. Um, that's kind of how I see like this matchup going. I think ultimately, like the 76ers, obviously losing Embiid, they lose their MVP candidate. But I still think they have enough weapons. I think they have defense that the Knicks had, but they have a lot more scoring. Uh, and they can exploit some mismatches. And the key thing is I think they're going to be able to take advantage of Trey Young on the defensive end. That's what I think the New York Knicks were incapable of doing. They weren't able to get Trey Young playing defense. Uh, and I think the Sixers can do that. And uh, surprisingly, I think Doc Rivers uh, might have a, a series where he outcoaches someone for once. Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see about that. It's going to really depend on how Philadelphia chooses to game plan against Trey Young. Like, I know last game they started Ben Simmons at center. So that's an interesting wrinkle if they do that. And then you start Fiebel on uh, Trey Young and then just switch everything because that could really disrupt Atlanta. But then you're, you know, you're going to struggle in the back end where Capella is the best offensive rebounder in the league. So, um, it, it's going to be tough in that scenario. Like, when Dwight Howard comes in the game, they're probably going to either drop him or blitz Trey Young. And Philadelphia is good enough to rotate out of that, whereas obviously last series, New York wasn't. Um, so Philadelphia does have some stuff they can definitely do against Trey Young. They're a lot more multifaceted on defense. And 
you're sort of changing my mind. Maybe maybe Philadelphia in seven if Embiid doesn't play. But if Embiid does play, it's an easy five-game series, yeah. I think. Uh, what about just throwing Thibault on Trey to like to start the series? Put him in instead of Danny Green to start to start. Just to... oh, you can't put Danny Green on. Him. No, but no I chance. mean, like start start Thibault at the three instead or two, whatever, instead of Danny Green, and then just stick him on Trey Young immediately. You know what I mean? Maybe just make his life. Yeah, out. that's what I mean. Though, like if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then you have to play small, right? You play Ben Simmons at center, and you just switch everything. So I think that's probably the way to go to start, and then. If that doesn't work, then you bring Dwight Howard in, and then you play. I, I would guess they probably blitz him because Dwight Howard's actually pretty quick on his feet, and he's a guy that actually can trap point guards and then get back. So I think that's the way to do it instead of like doing what New York did and playing drop coverage and letting Trey Young shoot a million floaters, which you know he realized by game two he has that shot every single time if he wants it. Low key Dwight Howard revenge series. <laughs> Just saying, man. It seems well, like you can say that against anybody since he's been on every team in the <laughs> NBA the last few years. Everybody revenge revenge tour. Yeah, man. Revenge yeah. tour for Dwight. I like it. And Dwight and Danny Green have championship experience, guys. Don't forget. Reigning world last champions, year. Dwight Howard and Danny Green. Yeah. You know, I saw something interesting on that. Uh, Danny Green, if he wins a championship this year, he'll be the first player in sports history, I believe, to win a championship with four different teams. Whoa. What? Whoa. Really? Yeah. That is the thing. Supposedly. That is, that is crazy. Huh. Interesting. I'm going to have to look this up later. Danny yeah. Green, hashtag champion. How many was uh, Robert Ory on? Hashtag. Lakers, Rockets, Spurs. That's it, right? The three? I think so. Damn. Wow, Danny Green. He might be a legend after this year. My goodness. Good for him. He's motivated. He played really well in the first he round, did. too. He did. He played great. Yeah. You know what? He could have won uh, earlier with Cleveland if LeBron wasn't so immature in like 07, 08. If Delonte West, West didn't ruin that team, it would have been perfect. <laughs> Blaming LeBron for them not winning. That's hilarious. We're not beating the 08 Celtics, you know? We're the LeBron slander podcast. I yeah, like man. it. We got to be consistent with our LeBron slander. Can't have it any other way. All right. What uh, What are we thinking for this series? Josh, are you are your flip-flop in here? Yeah, I am. Um, Philadelphia is more experienced, too. So I really wanted to take Atlanta, but... I think Embiid's going to play in this series at some point, too. So that leads me to believe that Philadelphia's going to win, ultimately. So I'll say Philadelphia in... Since I said seven without Embiid and then five with <laughs> Embiid, we'll go with Philadelphia in six. In Atlanta? At Phillips yeah, Arena? Yeah, why not? Where Ice Trey does his thing? Come on, man. Absolutely. Even though they have a full crowd now, but Philly's going to win in six. Yeah, that's that's the right answer. Josh finally came to your senses. I really want to pick Atlanta, though. Okay, would you want to... I can't. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a coward. Would you want to pick Atlanta if they didn't have Bogdan? Because we know how much you love Bogdan. No. Bogdan's a yeah. killer, man. Like, if he was on Milwaukee, Milwaukee and four against Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Bogdan's a bad mf'er, man. Uh Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Raj, you like Philly and six? You said. Yeah, Philly and six. I think uh, 
I really don't think that Embiid's actually going to play a single game in this series. I think Philly um, will be ahead in the entirety of the series, and I don't think they need to force it. And again, the longer that they don't play Embiid, the less likely he, he is to get injured if he does end up playing this year. Yeah, I think that's the play too. Like you play the first two games without him, and then hopefully you're up two nothing, and then you can you can pretty much say that you're probably going to win that series at that point. Then you can rest on the rest of the series. He'll have at least two weeks rest going into the conference finals, and then maybe by then he'll be okay or somewhat okay. Philly in five, even more rest, I mean, even I'm better, even more confident. I have Philly going to the finals, so uh, you know I got to ride with my team. I mean, if that series goes five and then Brooklyn and uh, Milwaukee goes seven, a lot of time. you would think he's going to be off for yeah. a while. Yeah. Get a lot of treatment. Maybe send him to Germany. Go to, like, Kobe's doctor for a couple weeks. Low key. He's not going to be at the games at all, but who I cares? I know, he's, I know he's not there right now on Thursday evening. It's they don't true. play until Sunday. Or bring the German doctors to Philadelphia. Like, what are you doing? You got, you got money. Bring him over. No, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> COVID is not a thing in the States. You know that. Come on. Oh, man. You're right. You're right. All right. Moving on. Do we want to address this whole Danny Ainge leaving the the Celtics? I know we're all big fans of Danny Ainge and his inability to make trades and all. But, uh, you know, do we do we want to talk about this real quick? Danny Ainge leaves, resigns from the Celtics. Brad Stevens gets promoted from head coach to uh, president of basketball operations, which he's... You know, he's never had any experience in any NBA front office. So, you know, that's, that's a little wild. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, it's just weird. Do we see Danny Ainge anywhere else? Utah? Portland, maybe? It's just weird. Like, this whole, like, this whole underperforming. Obviously, Brad Stevens is a good coach. I think this team wasn't the same uh, level as the other teams. But ultimately... They lose in the playoffs. Danny Ainge, who has probably underperformed in the last five years as a general manager with all his draft picks and all the possibilities of players that he could have acquired, he steps down. Brad Stevens gets promoted. But now there's talks of Danny Ainge going somewhere else because, I don't know, it just just comes across as weird. And uh, ultimately, I I think the dynamic as Brad Stevens being a young GM, I don't think that's going to work with Boston going forward. I think the funniest thing in all this is the very first article that came out was Boston considered Sam Presti um, for the job, just like they considered Draymond Green with the second round pick way back in the day, just like they considered trading for Justice Winslow, blah, blah, blah. So just funny how that article always comes out. But anyways, um, in terms of their situation going forward, the thing I'm most looking forward to is the first couple of days of free agency, because then you get to see which players Brad Stevens ultimately likes and doesn't like. I think that they're only going to have maybe like three or four players left on the roster from this year going into next year. And it's going to be very interesting to see if he's able to trade Kemba Walker or not. Okay, I have two or three thoughts on this. Kemba Walker, definitely going to stay. I think that contract is too like too harsh. It may be even worse than Blake Griffin's contract to trade. So, secondly. No, relax. No, they have Come to cut on. Blake Griffin. They didn't even trade him. Yeah, which means his contract was way worse. They couldn't trade him. Kemba Walker is tradable. If Al Horford is tradable, Kemba True. Walker is tradable. All right, my bad, my bad. All right, I take it back. Uh, Marcus Smart, best trade chip on the team, so he's probably gone. And fuck, I forgot yeah. my other point, Josh. You ruined it. 
See, everyone says that, right? But what are you trading him for? Like, what are you getting back that's better than him? My last point. Semi Ojale is definitely going to be a Boston Celtic. Oh, yeah. Brad Stevens plays that guy way too much to be someone that he doesn't like. I guarantee Semi Ojale somehow stays on this team. Even though he shouldn't. Yeah, he's going to be yeah, full yeah. Ojale. <laughs> 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 My God. Oh, come on. Oh. That was good. That was good. <laughs> oh, man. Josh already practicing the dad jokes around here. Woo! Oh yeah, you got the, you got the right right audience for that, man. <laughs> All right, well, I don't know. We can hit the Celtics more later on. Okay, guys, do we want to do some you know some quick uh, some quick predictions for the Nuggets Trailblazers game tonight? The Trailblazers are at home and they are favored by four and a half points. Raj, what do you what are you thinking for tonight? You know what. I think the series is going to go seven games. Um, Portland can't play as bad as, or everyone minus Dame can't play as bad as they did on uh, on Tuesday night. So you know what? I'm taking the Blazers, and it's going to Game Seven. I agree. Role players play better at home, and Denver looked totally disinterested last time in Portland. So Portland's going to win this game, and then Game Seven. I think it's going to be a reenactment of the last game seven between Portland and Denver, where CJ McCollum goes off for like forty points, and Portland's going to yeah, win. Denver didn't have Austin Rivers then, man, the savior. Oh yes. Also, oh, you yeah. guys got to make a prediction on the series itself. On what series? The Portland Denver series. Even though everyone thinks Portland might win tonight, yeah. except probably you, Peter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who's going to win this series? I had Denver in seven to start, so I'm sticking with Denver in seven. I'm going to say Portland in seven. I had them winning the series in six. You know what? I'm changing it. Denver's going to win tonight. Whoa, whoa. There you go. Josh, you called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't don't know, man. Denver's a more interesting team, too. I really hope that they actually win the series. Portland is actually really boring to watch other than Dame. Like, every time that Dame doesn't touch the ball, I find myself so disinterested. Like, it's just, uh, I mean, I could say the same thing about the Nuggets, but with Jokic, but still, you know. It seems like their starters were also disinterested in the last game because they went one for 19 in the last uh, three quarters, I Yo, think. Yo, Robert Covington missing two dunks in overtime is absolutely incredible. Wow. The the best part was the second dunk because he cocked it back to, Yo, he like, he wanted to make a that. statement. And he thought he was Stromile Swift. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Like I described off the podcast, like that was those two dunks were the guy who shows up at the playground who can't dunk, who like tells you guys he's going to dunk before the game starts, and then he tries the same dunks over and over and over, and you see that he can't get up to the rim to actually put the ball into the basket. That's what Covington's dunks were. Like you know he's not gonna make it, so just lay the damn ball. Yeah, in, shout out to a, stop the Shout out to game. our boy Liban from the Nepean Sportsplex back in the day. Yeah, and Tim Sargent <laughs> way back when. God, I hated waiting for him to dunk. You can't dunk, bro. My goodness. All right. The Phoenix Suns and the LA Lakers battle it out in LA at 10.30. Raj, I hope you go to bed before this game ends. The Lakers are favored by two. And we do not know if Anthony Davis plays. Still haven't heard a thing. I heard it's 50-50 according to uh, some reports on... Uh... From Reddit, <laughs> my favorite news source. But if if AD plays, I think the Lakers win, even if he's not 100%. 
And uh, if he doesn't, I think we're going to see a massive LeBron performance and it's going to go down to the wire. I, I can't make this prediction, but please, Phoenix, win. Please, for the sake of my health. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have to choose the Lakers, too, because it's just hard to see LeBron going down in this game. And plus, I want to jinx them as well. So Lakers are going to win this game. This guy calling out his and, reverse jinx. Uh, I don't think AD is going to play, though. How do you call out your reverse Ooh. jinx? What a clown. I guess I have to say the Phoenix. No, is you're a stupid win, face. You already ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> stupid <laughs> face. Uh, I don't, I, you guys are amazing, man. I, there is no way this is going to be a close game. Lakers by twelve. LeBron's no, going to shoot like no. thirty Come free on. throws tonight. Come on. Yeah, I, I could see that happening, but but I think he's going to have a huge game, like 35, 40 points. But it still will be close. I don't think so. Yeah, I think you have to look at the other Lakers, right? Like, I think it's going to be close because his supporting cast is incapable of scoring, you know, 10 points hey, they're, each. They're at home, you know? man. Dennis Schroeder isn't going to score zero points again. I mean, KCP is also questionable, too, and he's a big part of their team. So if he doesn't play as well as AD, then you might have a situation where LeBron might have to score, like, 70. It's okay. He's going to do it. He's gonna. They're going to win tonight. And That's all I'm saying. Phoenix is playing that series really smart, too, because they're really clogging the paint against LeBron. Well, like, when he spins, there's, like, two guys waiting for him. And most teams don't it's do that It's also because him. he's not as fast as he used to be. You can see him. He's not, like, he doesn't have yeah. the same explosiveness. Come on, man. You should know better. We need another Jay Crowder game. If that happens, Phoenix wins. Not on the road. Sorry, my friend. Happened All last right. game. All right. All right. Josh, what do you have for stats corner this week? All right, so going back to Luca's incredible game yesterday, where he assisted or scored on 83.8% of Dallas's field goals yesterday. I think it was 30, 31 out of 37 or 38 field goals, which is incredible. Um, so can you name the other four players in the history of the league? And this happened, the, last, the very last one was in 89. <laughs> So it was about uh, 22 years ago. But okay, there's been four it. other players that have either scored or assisted on at least 80% of the team's field goals in a game in the playoffs. Raj, you want to start with this one? <laughs> we'll give you both three chances, and we'll see if anybody gets one. And, and you said the last one was in what year? 89. The very last one, like the, the oldest one, is from 89. Oh. There was one in 94. One in 2015 and one oh, in 2000. Oh, I completely misunderstood this. I thought you meant 89 was the last time it happened. Oh, sorry. No, to be clear, <laughs> that was the oldest one. <laughs> I thought we were going to go Is way back. The first one, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm going to. 2015, was it LeBron James? You are correct. LeBron James versus Golden State <laughs> Warriors in the finals. 81.3%. Wow, Raj calling out the number, the year, wow. too. Oh my goodness. What are the years? 89. All right, so let's, let's just do them in order. So we've done 2015, 2003. 03? Oh, three? I mean, oh, there's I so many ISO scores yeah. that handle the ball like consistently from that time frame. You should be able to get this. I remember. Yep. Yep. Yeah, if you remember, go for it. Oh, I know this one. Go for it. Allen Iverson? Yes. Playing against the New Orleans Hornets um, from. What is it? April 20th, 2003, 80.6% in terms like, of scoring or assisting on. He had like close to 50. I think he has 48, 50, something like that game. 
Yeah, and he must have had like nine assists since they only scored like 85 <laughs> points a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is 94. You're probably not going to get this. I'll give you a hint if you want. It the, it's not the dream. No. no, it's a guard. Western Conference. Four. Hmm. Clyde? Nope. John Stockton? Point guard. Nope. But since you said that, he's the last one against Houston in 89. 83.7%. Wow, fifth yeah. year in the league. So you've named Stockton, even though that's for the last one. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Sh- share your screen, man. I don't believe this. Rush is cheating. <laughs> three for three. No, I'm actually not even on it. <laughs> oh man, 94. This could be rough. Point guard, Western Conference. Never took threes. Was a mid-range shooter and a guy that just got to the room whenever Doug, he wanted to. He was also the mayor of Sacramento at one point. <laughs> that's funny. You're describing every 90s point guard right now. But it's uh, yeah, every yeah, 90s point guard the was the mayor of yeah, Sacramento. Man. Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson isn't the only one. There you, you know? go. They were all there. Mike Bibby was probably the mayor of Sacramento, too. Bobby Jackson. Oh, legend. Vladdy Divac's currently the mayor. <laughs> point guard Vladdy Divac. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Kevin Johnson, eh? What was his numbers like? Uh, he was at 81.6% of his team's uh, scoring or assisted on field goal percentage. Right. Not bad. It's good company, Luca. Yeah. Good company. Luca's number one, by the way, at 83.8. John Stockton was number two at 83.7. So John Stockton Jeez. was not very happy last night. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not surprised that Westbrook, or I'm more surprised that Westbrook hasn't done something like this because I just figured usage rate has to be so high. Yeah, but the thing is, he has to score. Yeah, he scored that, that, that MVP year. I guess not enough, but. Uh, yeah, but he's also played with like. Um, a bunch of secondary ball handlers or, you know, in Katie's case, a primary guy, right? So those guys also assist on, you know, different baskets as well when he's out of the game. So And plus, there's more point scoring nowadays, too. It's harder to yeah, do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, well, good list, Josh. Good list, good list. And I think that's all the time we have, right? Anything else? Anything to close? Clippers, Mavericks, who do you have for Game 6 and possibility Game 7? Dallas and seven on a Paul George turnover, and Lakers and seven, baby. L.A., baby. No, I, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to give it. I'm gonna have to give it to the Clippers. They're they're gonna make it to the finals according to my bracket. So me too. double down on them. Yeah, no, I don't remember who I had in my I, bracket anymore. I just remember choosing Philly to go all the way <laughs> and win. I think so. I really, I don't know, man. You control. You can see my bracket. I, I haven't looked at it since I filled it out. So you Neither tell me. I. You tell me what I did because I, I don't remember. Anyways, you have way too much belief in Danny Green. Oh hell yeah, I do. I love Danny Green nowadays. Anyways, I want to thank everyone for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Drop us those five star reviews on iTunes. Drop us those comments. We're on all the major podcast platforms. I'm talking Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hoops Corner Pod. And until next time, peace.